number four, 2 Corinthians chapter number four. If you're able to, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter number four. And we've been going through this series on the real church. We've had a few Sunday nights. We've detoured with some special things. Next Sunday night, we'll have something like that also. But uh, we've got just a few of these remaining, probably finish about, uh, about Thanksgiving with these. But we have five verses in 2 Corinthians chapter number four tonight. And so uh, what I'd like to do, we haven't done this in a while, is read this responsively. So I'll read verse one, you read verse two, I'll read verse three, and you read verse four, and then we'll all read verse number five together, all right? So let's begin. I'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Not walking in craftiness, but handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for, again, an opportunity to gather around the Word of God. May it help us. May it enrich our lives. Lord, may it instruct us tonight. May we receive what you have from it for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. And as you look at this uh, portion of scripture, uh, I, I just want to be a blessing to you as uh, the church, the church of the living God. And my thought as I was looking at this passage was this matter of laboring or working for the Lord. Uh, you know, I think if we're going to be a real church, then there has to be a genuine wholeheartedness when it comes to working for the Lord. As you study the the early church, you find the leaders of the church, the apostles and some of the leaders of the day, they were, they were men and there were some women that invested labor. And the whole reason they did that was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world in their day. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. That, that's a word that I know ladies in here uh, are familiar with. Most of us guys, we, we think we've, we've travailed in life, but uh, the, the reality is it's hard labor. And the Bible says laboring, look at this, night and day, all day long, uh, just laboring for the Lord because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Now, if there was an individual that lived his life this way after he got saved, it was the Apostle Paul. This was a man that, and I've had this conversation quite a few times with people where, uh, if you remember when Paul and Barnabas were doing the work of the ministry, they were involved in spreading the gospel, a missionary endeavor as a team, that there was a young man by the name of Mark or John Mark uh, that had joined up with them for a short time and then Somewhere along the way, Mark, or John Mark, departed from them. He left the work. And the Bible isn't really clear why, but nonetheless, he did. If you remember that a lot of times, 
people look at, well, Barnabas, he's the son of consolation. Barnabas uh, was an encourager, and Barnabas tried to tell Paul, hey, look, uh, let's give this young man another shot. Uh, he's not a bad guy. He loves the Lord. He wants to serve God, and for whatever reason, he departed from the work of the ministry, but he still wants to be used of God. But you remember how Paul's attitude was towards John Mark? Paul was almost like, nope, not interested. Uh, he left the work, you know, and, and a lot of times we look at that and we think to ourselves, man, Paul must have been like hard to get along with. But you know, when I, when I read and I, I, I see the words that God gives us about the life and the ministry of Paul, what I think is he was a man that had such a passion and such a fervor for the work of God that he didn't know anything else other than just to work and to work hard when it came to the things of God. It wasn't necessarily that he didn't like John Mark. It was that, he, he, look, the ministry is not for the faint. It's not for the weak-hearted. And we need to understand that our strength comes from the Lord. And as we labor, certainly Paul poured himself into the work of God. And the reason that he did was because through his very life and his labor, he showed how worthy uh, the Lord is because he wanted to do what he did because of what the Lord had done for him. See, it's, you know, when I think about laboring for the Lord, it's, to me it's not a burden. It's not grievous. Matter of fact, I love serving God. I can't think of a better, you remember what the Bible says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. You know, boy, if I could, if I could pick up some trash, if I can empty trash cans, if I can scrub a commode, if I can uh, sing in the choir, it doesn't matter as long as I get to do something to serve God, to labor for the Lord. This was Paul's willingness, but it ought to be ours too, because God's people, we must labor for the Lord. Uh, anything worth having, and certainly uh, the ministry of God, the work of God, is worth it. But think about this. If the church is going to accomplish its purpose for spreading the gospel, someone has to labor. Someone has to show up and grab a handful of tracks. Somebody has to talk to somebody about the Lord. Somebody has to care enough to go to those people and talk to them about the Lord. And this is what we see here is that these people, along with Paul, they were laboring for the Lord. When you labor for the Lord, folks, I'm going to tell you, the misconception is, well, that's for the pastor, that's for the staff, that's for the missionary, those that have been called into full-time ministry. But the reality is every Christian should be willing to labor for the Lord. It's for every member of the church. Hebrews chapter 6, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God says, look, if you do what you do and you have the right motive, which is I'm doing it for the Lord. I've been out many times and I've had people who have not received the message of the gospel, who have gotten kind of angry, who have slammed a door or maybe said something that honestly I, I really didn't want to hear and maybe use some foul words. And, 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 you know, when I was young in the Lord, that used to bother me. I used to think to myself, boy, that's it. I'm going to quit this. I'm not going to go out anymore. People are going to treat me like that. But then I realized somebody helped me one day. They said, listen, when people reject what you have to say, they're not rejecting you. 
they're rejecting the Lord Jesus. That helped me to realize this isn't my work, it's His work. And the one thing that I need to be faithful in is doing the work of the ministry. Again, it's not just for those that have been called into full-time ministry. Whether you've been serving the Lord here in our church for years, or maybe you're younger in the Lord, or you're considering getting involved in the work of the Lord, I'm going to tell you it's an honor to be involved in real church labor. It's the greatest and most eternal work, what we do for the Lord. It's a privilege to serve God. And as we serve God, what are we doing? We're serving others. You know, this morning, there were opportunities that as people came, we had opportunities to talk to them, to try to help them. Uh, There was a there was a couple that was here uh, this morning, and, and he was asking about our church. He had a lot of questions. And I said, how did you find out about our church? And he says, through a whole lot of, of, of uh, studying and spending time. And, I, and he says, you know, you guys are really the only church of your kind anywhere near this area. And I said, you know what? I, I know that. <laughs> I said, I realize that. He said, there's not a lot of churches that still teach and preach the Bible. There's not a lot of churches that, that still sing the hymns. He, and he went on and on talking about certain things. And I, I looked at him, and honestly, I wanted to say, isn't that what every church should be doing? But a lot of churches have gotten away from that, from doing the work of the Lord, from laboring for the Lord. Look, helping in church, uh, there's plenty of opportunities. Uh, you saw the men singing in the choir tonight. There are, there are uh, probably ladies right now in the nursery that are working in the nursery. There are people that at the services or at the doors that are greeting people as they're coming in. There's people that will clean up uh, maybe during the week or after the services. There are people that will make visits. There are all kinds of areas of opportunity. And listen, as those areas of opportunity present themselves, it's a privilege to serve the Lord. I mean, look, there's a lot of times where God gives us opportunity to talk to people. This past week, we were having Brother Kenny notice that our sprinklers were running, but they weren't cycling. And so we called this company that we've had come before, and they came by, and he was telling me what it was here at the valve, and the cycling valve, or whatever it is. And so I said, well, look, how much are we talking? And he gave me a price, and I said, well... I said, that, that, I think that's a fair price. I said, when can you do it? He says, we can do it today if you want. I said, that's fine. And so he got the parts. He had one of his men here, and the guy was working on it. I think they thought it was going to be a quick fix, but the guy ended up here probably four hours, and he was out there in the sun, and I could tell he was really, you know, with the heat and everything, and I thought, I'm going to take him a couple bottles. So, you know, what I did was I was very wise. I took two bottles of water. I took a pack of Oreo cookies. I took some popcorn that, that was in a sealed bag, and I took a gospel track. And I went out there, and he seen me walking over towards him, and he saw those bottles of water. And I said, would you like something to drink? And he says, oh, yeah, that'd be great. He says, he says boy, he says, it's really hot out here. And so I handed him those bottles, and he began to drink one of them, and I just started to talk to him. The man just begun to pour out all that had happened in his life. I stood there and listened to this man as he was telling me about his wife and his marriage and how things had just gone the way they had gone and how he had lost his relationship with his one daughter and how he moved down here from Virginia to be around his other daughter so that maybe he could salvage that relationship. And 
and, and I began to talk to him. He, he had some strange, strange views. He, he said he believes that, that God is a female, a black female. And uh, he began to share with me that uh, he believes that, you know, when it comes to God creating everything in this world, that God, God created the seeds and that, that, that everything God creates is ours. And he, he believes that, that uh, you know, just like Canada, that, that we should be able to just uh, have our way with cannabis and just enjoy that. And he, he just shared all kinds of things. He talked about his horoscope. And, and I just kept coming back to, but what do you think about God? What do you think about the Bible? You know, and I could have just said, wow, this guy's just out there. This guy, you know, he, I could talk to this. He, folks, if I had that attitude, we'd never see anybody get saved. We'd never see anybody's life turned around. And, it, and, and I was out there, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't really looking at my watch, but when I finally came back in from being out there, I think I was out there about 30, 40 minutes, standing in the sun, just listening to this man pour his heart out. And my wife said, she goes, I thought you went to the store. I said, no. I said, I took a couple bottles of water out there. And I said, I, I stood there and listened. And then I tried to share some truth with this man. And you pray for him. His name is Michael. And he, he said, Pastor, he says, I'm, I'm a much better now than I was when I moved down here. But he says, when I, when I get there, he says, I'll come see you. And I told him, I said, Michael, you don't have to wait till you get there. I said, you can come see us now. You can come Sunday. You know, and, and I was praying that he would show up today. But folks, it's opportunities that God gives us, but it's going to take real labor. And it requires sometimes thankless jobs. It requires uh, those thankless jobs as well as maybe a position that's praised by other people. Real labor requires a heart of love for the Lord. But it also includes having a passion for the ministry, for the work of God. Folks, I can't, when it comes to serving God, Here's what I think about is local church ministry. Because when I see the scriptures, what I realize is Jesus came and he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're a part of the, the work of God, what Jesus began and real church ministry can't take place without real church labor. Somebody has to be willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work of God, to labor or as the Bible said, to travail night and day, to do what God has called us to do. So I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, three responsibilities of every Christian servant who is committed to real labor. So tonight, this is a lesson for all of us. If you're saved tonight and you're interested in saying, look, I'm committed to the Lord, then let's get involved in this matter of laboring for the Lord as a servant of God. So the first responsibility is to recognize our role. Recognize our role. Look back in verse number one. The Bible says, therefore, seeing we have received this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. See, every Christian, just like this morning we talked about every child of God should be a giver when it comes to meeting the needs of others. Tonight, when we think about laboring, it says here that all of us should be involved in this. Every Christian should labor for the Lord. To labor for the Lord is a role that's been entrusted to us by God. God's allowing us to be a part of this. So look, when we think about serving God, laboring for the Lord, when did that all begin? Well, it began at salvation. See, you would have never thought about serving God until God 
changed your life. You think about Paul. The man had no desire to serve God, to labor for the Lord. As a matter of fact, he was, he was vehemently against the work of God. I mean, I think it's kind of justice, poetic justice, that God saved a man like Saul, and when he got a hold of his heart with that same fervor that he had against the work of God, he now used that same passion for the work of God. And Paul labored for the Lord. And so notice here in verse number one, the Bible starts with the word therefore. Now that word always tells us that we need to go back and see what was mentioned before that. And so when you think about this matter of our role, look back in chapter three and verse number six, the Bible says there, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Now what, what he's saying here is that the message that God has given to us, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that's been entrusted to us, that's been given to us, and that's why we call it the good news. Because when people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. So God's given us a wonderful thing here. He's made us able ministers. He's given us the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, and it's that, that gospel that made salvation possible for all mankind. I, I was talking to Roman after the service this morning. I said, isn't it interesting? I said, I really believe that God was working on your, your son's heart long before he came to the service today. And I said, to me, the evidence of that is I did not preach a salvation message today. The message this morning was about obedience and meeting the needs of people by our giving. But I said, God used that message and what he had already been doing in his son's heart to bring him to the place where he knew that he needed to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what is our message? Same as it was for Paul in his day, and that is to share the message, the good news, and then to serve in the local church by fulfilling that mission. We call it the Great Commission. That's what the Lord gave to all of us who are a part of His work, is to go into all the world. I had a lady on, on Saturday, I was knocking doors, and I knocked on her door, and I gave her an invitation, and she told me the church that she's attending, and I said to her at the door, I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? I said, do you know Christ as your Savior? She had this big old smile on her face. She says, oh, yes, I do. And I said, I said, tell me a little bit about it. And she did. And so we talked for just a minute. And I said, well, listen, I'm glad that you're attending a church faithfully. I said, if you ever would love to come and visit us, we'd love to have you. But I said, I said listen, we just want to make sure that people have a home in heaven someday. And she looked at me and she said, Lord bless you. For the work she says what a wonderful work you're doing now you know why she said that because not many christians not many churches are actually going into the highways and hedges and telling people about the lord you see churches have gotten so far away from that because we're busy because oftentimes maybe we don't see the importance of it or maybe for fear we don't go and tell people but it is the ministry that god gave to us and it began in our hearts at salvation. You see, by nature, we are selfish people. And as I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, many of us would rather be served than to serve. 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. See, from the moment of salvation, here's what you need to think about is when you got saved, at that moment, God actually had a ministry waiting for you. That's what it says here in verse number one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. See, now that we are saved, God's given us this ministry. He has something waiting that would be a ministry that would fit into our lives. You know Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know those verses, right? And those are great verses when it comes to salvation. But listen, don't miss verse 10. Because look what Ephesians 2.10 says. The Bible says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. There's salvation right there. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Which God hath before. Are you seeing it now? Before you got saved, God says, look, I've got to work for this person. And when they get saved, that they should, they should walk in those works. They should fulfill what I have for them. Each of us have been given a ministry by God. We have ministry opportunities. And what God does is by his Holy Spirit, God gifts us. Now, those are gifts that are far better than anything you could receive at Christmas time. Those are the pneumaticos, those spiritual gifts that the Bible describes in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Those spiritual gifts, those gifts that God gives to each one of us. You say, boy, do I have one of those? If you're saved tonight, you have a spiritual gift. The, the reality is maybe you have more than one spiritual gift in your life because what God does is he gives us those spiritual gifts to enable us to be able to do the work of God, to labor for the Lord. And as we get those gifts, Peter said it this way, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God's been good to us. God has saved us. And as a result, when God saved us, God has given us opportunity to have gifts that those gifts we can use for him. And we need to steward those gifts for him. D.L. Moody said this, I love this quote, don't try to do some great thing for God. Let us be willing to do the little things and let us remember that nothing is small in which God is the true source. God is the true source. Uh, we know this, that little is much when God is in it. Uh, God took that, uh, that lunch of that little boy and he blessed it and he broke it and he fed the multitudes with it. And God can take you, and God can take me, and God can use the abilities that he's given to us to labor for him. Uh, somebody said, every saint is to be a servant, every member a minister. I like that saying. Every saint a servant, every member a minister. So when it comes to our responsibility, we need to recognize our role, that God has given us opportunity to labor for him. And it begins at salvation, but notice it's continued by mercy. The Bible says again in verse number one that as we have received this ministry, that we've also received mercy, and he says we faint not. Now, Charles Spurgeon said if we give God service, 
it must be because he gives us grace. We work for him because he works for us. He works for us. We need God's grace if we're going to serve him. Here's why. Because our human efforts will fail. There's only so much that we can do. But God's grace will infuse in our hearts to help us and give us a desire and the power to do the work of God. And sometimes, I have found this to be true. Have you ever, in your life, God's called upon you and asked you to labor for him, maybe in something that you really didn't want to do? Anybody ever found that to be true in your life? And you're like, this is not really something that I would have picked for myself. Uh, I don't think I would have really wanted this. But I find during those times that God gives us the grace to deal with that. I think about sometimes having to deal with someone who maybe has lost a loved one. Those are not necessarily happy times. Now, of course, if they're saved, then it's, it's the thought there, that the hope that you'll see them again someday. But again, the emotions and all the things that come out when you deal with those, that, that makes one's heart very heavy. And we see that as we labor for the Lord, that God gives us His mercy. He enables us to be able to continue, even in those heavy times in our lives. Look, there are some Sundays, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but some Sundays I just don't feel like preaching. You know, I, I, I mean, some Sundays I carry something into the pulpit that's in my heart that's, that's a heavy thing. But I never say anything about it. You know why? Because God's called me to do this ministry. God's enabling me. God's given me the opportunity. And by the way, the privilege to do it. And I realize that God's grace and his mercy is new every day. It's only the grace of God that comforts me during those times. And it's only the grace of God that sustains us during those times. Our role as a servant of God, it, it can even in our lives as we grow in the Lord, our service can expand. I, look, when I first got saved, I didn't know anything about the ministry. Matter of fact, once I got saved, uh, I, had, I had a man in our church back home in, in, in the Midwest. He said, he said, hey, listen, he said, why don't, you, why don't you come and work on my bus route? I didn't know anything about bus route. I didn't know anything about working with children. Matter of fact, I, I grew up, my wife and I were talking as we were walking the other day. She said, did you ever ride the bus to school? I rode the bus to school one time. When I was a kindergartner, I wasn't supposed to ride the bus, but I wanted to ride it so bad that after school, I got on the bus. I rode the bus all around. My mom and dad were frantic. They, they had no idea where I was at. I was having a ball riding that bus. When I got off the bus, it was not a happy day. I never rode the bus again. But when I got saved, this man, Charlie Murphy, asked me, he said, hey, listen, I'm a bus captain here at church. I'd love for you to work on our bus route, on my bus route. And I said, okay, what do I do? Boy, he saw me coming all the way. He says, now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to drive this bus, and he says, and I'm going to stop it. And he says, then you're going to get out of this bus, and you're going to run up to the door. And he says, you're going to knock on the door, and he says, you're going to get the kids, and you're going to bring them out and put them on the bus. And then we're going to take, go to the next house. I'm going to stop the bus. You're going to run up to the door. And I began to think, this sounds like work. This, this doesn't sound like fun. And, and, and honestly, when I first started it, 
I mean, you're trying to figure out, okay, do I wear my Sunday best because I'm running up to the doors? I get on the bus and these kids, they got snotty noses and they're smearing them on your nice clothes, you know, and, I'm, and they're throwing things at you. And I'm thinking, uh, this doesn't really seem like maybe something that I want to be doing right now, you know. But I'm going to tell you, somewhere along the way, I fell in love with those kids because I saw the houses that they came out of. I saw how a lot of them didn't have a mom or a dad. Some of them, I'm not lying, some of them we would actually go into the house and help the kids find their shoes, find their clothes, while dad was laying on the couch completely passed out with beer cans all around him. It just broke my heart to see these kids, to see these parents being gripped by so many things in their lives. And you know what I forgot about? I forgot about the running to the door. I forgot about the kids smearing stuff on my clothes. I forgot about how School buses don't have air conditioning. I forgot all about that. And you know what I realized was laboring for the Lord really isn't bad. Matter of fact, I began to enjoy it. I remember when Charlie said to me, he said, I'd been on the, uh, the bus route for I don't know how long it was. When I started working on the bus, I was 20 years old. And I was telling him, I said, it somehow came up that I was going to have my 21st birthday. And Charlie said, oh, good, good, good. I said, for what? What's, what's good? He says, well, now that you're going to be 21, he says, we're going to switch. He says, you're going to drive the bus, and I'm going to run to the door. I looked at him, and I thought, you're no spring chicken now. I mean, he was probably 20, 25 years older than I was. You know, I was in my early 20s, and, and back then I thought, he's an old man. Now 55 is young, young, real young. And we did. We actually, I started driving the bus, and I thought, well, I'm not having to run up there. But in the Midwest, we're driving the bus in the wintertime when there's ice on the roads. I'll never forget the Sunday. I don't know if my wife remembers it, where we went down to these apartments, and it was downhill into them, and the bus was down there like this, and I didn't think we were ever going to get out of there. I was praying pretty hard while I was driving that bus. I was laboring behind that steering wheel. I remember there was a girl named Trish that when she got on the bus, she, she was, had, had some, uh, some problems uh, when she was born. And, and uh, Trish had a special seat right next to me. Now, I can just think nowadays with all these uh, rules and things that they have now, she had a seat on that, that metal lid where all the buttons and switches were on the bus. There was no seat belt. She sat right there while I was driving the bus. She'd take her shoes off and throw them out the window while I was driving down the street. We had a time. I look back on it. You know why I still remember it? Because I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was an awesome time. We had a great time serving the Lord. And that's what you, all, you and I need to see tonight is that, that as, as we begin to grow in the Lord, what does God do? God expands our, our knowledge of Him and our experience of His grace. If there was ever someone that understood the grace of God, it was the missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor said this, I used to ask God to help me. He says, then I asked if I might help Him. 
He said, I ended up by asking him to do his work through me. I want to do your work through me. See, as we grow in the Lord, what we, what we learn more and more about is, is our inability to actually serve God. And it causes us to understand that without Him, like Hudson Taylor said, without Him working through us, God's work will never be done. God wants us to labor, but He wants to work through our lives. And every member of our church is to be a servant, to be a laborer. And we need to seek to serve the Lord by serving others. So our first responsibility is to recognize your role. Are you saved tonight? If you're saved, God's given you a ministry. And you will continue that ministry by mercy. But then notice your next responsibility is not only to recognize your role, hopefully you've done that, but the next responsibility is to reveal the truth. As we look at this passage tonight, we see that the primary function of Christian ministry is that you and I need to make the truth known. We need to manifest the truth, not hide it under a bushel. We need to allow people to know the truth of the Word of God. And so when you look at New Testament ministry, it's about preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. And I know maybe God hasn't called you to preach the way that He has called me to preach, but if you study the Scriptures, every Christian should be declaring the truth. That's the word keruk. That's to declare the truth. It doesn't necessarily mean stand behind a sacred desk. It means you tell people about the Lord, the gospel, everywhere you go. So notice we need to reveal the truth two ways. One of them is through pure doctrine. Pure doctrine. The Bible says, look at verse number two, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Deceitfully. I had somebody this morning that told me, uh, Pastor, I really appreciated the fact that you, 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 you just preach the Word of God. And I thought to myself, isn't that the way every pastor or preacher or evangelist should be doing that? I mean, common sense tells me that's what we all should be doing, but it's sad that so many don't. And we need to make sure that we're handling the Word of God, pure doctrine. And the Bible says right here what we need to do is separate ourselves from that which is not true. I think it's easy for us to understand that if you're holding a Bible in your hand and you're listening to a message, that if what you're hearing doesn't line up with what's in this book, there's a problem. And we, we see this in so many churches today, people not handling the Word of God with integrity, not a sincerity when it comes to the Word of God. Look, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You saw it this morning when one responded to the gospel, when one came for the invitation and put their faith in Christ, God's Word is powerful. God's Word changes lives, but it must be handled precisely. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, sword is something that was a weapon of choice many, many years ago for soldiers. There, there still are some that use swords, but a sword cannot just be a, something that they, they wave around and just hit somebody with. A soldier has to learn, first of all, how to handle the sword. How do you hold it? How do you wield it? 
how do you lunge with it? All these different types of things. Folks, look, if we're going to understand how powerful the Word of God is, how pure it is, we've got to learn how to handle it. That's one of the things long before God called me to preach, I wanted to make sure that I was understanding what the Bible has to say. I've had, I've had spiritual leaders in my life, men that I could go to, even uh, ladies, my wife, many times, where we'll go and sit and talk about something because I wanted to know maybe what the, what the Word of God had to say about this and what does the Bible tells us. It tells us, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word there, that phrase, here's what it means. Cut it straight cut it straight. You ever try to cut a piece of meat and you're cutting against the grain? You find that it's very difficult. And when you study the Word of God, I, I told that man yesterday, Michael, when I was talking to him, he was sharing some things with me and, and he, he, he honestly was a little bit misguided about some things. And he was sharing some things with me and I, I said to him, I said, listen, Michael, there are a lot of people out there that will give their opinion on something. Sometimes what they'll do, and I don't think they should, they'll share their preference on something. I said, now, I do believe there are a lot of applications when it comes to the Word of God, applying it to our own lives. I said, I do use some illustrations when it comes to my preaching because I, I believe it helps people to identify what the Scripture is saying. But I said this to him, the Bible says what it says, and it means what it means. You can't change what the Word of God says. Now, many people have tried. A lot of people have taken the Word of God out of context. But if we're ever going to labor for the Lord, one thing we have to understand is, is that God has given us His Word, and when God gave it to us, listen, that's the key. When God gave it to us, it was pure. What has man tried to do over all these years? Man's tried to water it down. He's tried to change it. People say, why do you use this Bible? Here's why. Because, first of all, I believe that it is an accurate translation of the Word of God. And secondly, because I can see God's hand of blessing on this version of the Bible. And until somebody or God shows me otherwise, I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth. See, those that teach and preach the truth of the word of God, what they do and what we all must do is hone our skills as a workman. Uh, look, we need to make sure that we're holding forth pure doctrine, the truth of the word of God to a world that is needy. Look, the truth shall make you free. But if we're not giving them the truth, how will they ever be free? We need to make sure that we're sharing the truth. Well, how do we do that? We reveal it through pure doctrine. And here's another important thing is, look at this, not only revealing it through pure doctrine, but through pure lives. Look back in verse number two, look what it says here. It says, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Everybody see those words there? That we're commending ourselves to every man's conscience. What is he talking about? Having a pure testimony, having integrity, spiritual integrity, and boldness will help to advance the Word of God, to cut it straight to the heart so that people can see it for what it is. The way we conduct our lives will manifest the truth. 
In other words, if you tell somebody you're a Christian, do you know that unsaved people know how Christians are supposed to live? They know how Christians are supposed to act. And if they see you behaving in a manner that is in opposition to the Word of God, they're going to say, you know, something just doesn't line up. But when we live a life of integrity before an unsaved world, before lost people, what are we doing? We're manifesting the truth through our own lives. You look at Paul's life. What listeners of Paul's message saw in Paul's life actually furthered the truth by pricking their consciences. Look, they, they, they heard what Paul was preaching and they heard what he was teaching and then they looked at his life. Now, if, if they knew Paul before he got saved, they could have gone back and said, yeah, but I knew what you were like before you got saved. But from the moment that he got saved, remember, God's given us this ministry that began at salvation. It's continued by the mercies of God. And Paul says, look, I have the pure, I'm no longer doing what, uh, the Pharisees and what the Sanhedrin and what all those evil people wanted me to do. I'm, I'm holding forth the truth, and he says, I'm trying to live my life before God in the sight of all people. He made himself available to them. And look what the Bible says in Acts 24, 16. Herein do I exercise myself, Paul says, to have always a conscience void of offense but to toward God and toward men. He was laboring for the Lord. And look, he was doing it with such a way that Paul was conscious about his testimony. I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble because sometimes we do things and we know it's not right, but we don't consider who's watching, who sees what we're doing, who hears what we're doing. Uh, you know, we just had a, a, a day where we can invite friends. And I'm going to tell you, at work, when you go to work, if you're a co-worker, you start to talk to them about, about the church and about God and about the love of God, but then when something happens at work, you fly off the handle and you spout things out that a Christian shouldn't say, you're not manifesting the truth to unsaved people. You're actually working against what God has given for us to do as his, as his followers, as ambassadors for him. See, when we live inconsistently, we'll damage the ability that God's given to us to spread the gospel message. Look what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What's he talking about? Living a pure life? Living a holy life? A, a godly life? Look, those aren't just words. We must daily understand that we're laboring for the Lord in front of other people. And our role is something that we've got to recognize that God saved us. He's given us a ministry. And then once he's done that, what are, what are we to do? We're to reveal the truth. Well, how do we do that? Through pure doctrine through living a pure life. But notice the last responsibility that we have is that we must remember our responsibility. If we don't do our duty, if we don't work for the Lord, we don't labor for the Lord. Look, I have found this to be true. No one else will do the work of God if we don't. The only people that I see out knocking doors and talking to people 
are people that have a false gospel. And that's sad. But that's the work of Satan. You know, people like that lady, well, bless you for doing that. You want to say, doesn't your church do that? But folks, listen, I know a lot of independent fundamental Baptist churches that don't knock doors, that don't talk to people about the Lord, that never share the love of God. Our work is an eternal work. And listen, because it is, it, it, it actually carries with it weighty responsibilities. And notice these two responsibilities. Our greatest one is to preach Christ. The Bible says in verse 3, if our gospel be hid, now remember, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it be hid, it's hid to those that are lost in whom the God, notice the little letter G there, the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, or in case if they heard it, they might get saved. But he says, lest the light of the glorious gospel who is the image of God should shine unto them. But look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves. That's not the message. It's not about us. It's not about how good we are. But the message is, look at it, Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, here's our message, we're just servants for Jesus' sake. That's what he says. So look, if we don't preach Christ, the lost will never come to know him. They'll never get saved. Satan does not want people to see the truth. So what does he do? He blinds their eyes. You know, that you talk to people, they talk to you about the internet and they're hugging trees and Mother Nature and all these things going on. All of these things are, are things that uh, uh, Satan has brought into this world to deceive people, to blind their eyes because the Lord uh, wants people to see the truth. But what does Satan want? Satan wants them not to see it. He doesn't want them to be saved. And when we're witnessing, look, we're, we're out there, we're promoting him. We're trying to get people to understand who Jesus is. We're not promoting ourselves. It's not about us. Our ministry should never be to glorify ourselves. It should bring God the glory. Great things we just saying as he has done. So our responsibility, the greatest one we have is to preach Christ. But the second one is this to serve others. The Bible says again in verse number five, ourselves, your servants. See, our labor's not about us. It's about Jesus. And when we recognize the seriousness of our message and the directness of the responsibility that God has given to us, those preferences that we have, those things that we think are important, what's going to happen is those things will fade in significance. And we'll realize God's given us something far greater, and that is to serve and to labor in and through the local church. And God's given us things that he wants us to do. Uh, you know, a nursery worker, I mean, you think about this, how sometimes a nursery worker, look, I, I don't mind going in there and sitting and, and, and you know, just trying to help, uh, uh, because a nursery worker will go in there. And when they're in there, they just might make you have to change a few messy diapers. They just might have to, uh, you know, some little kid might come over and bite them. My wife was in the nursery one night, and she was just watching the kids. This little boy came running across the nursery. He, he, he had no evil intent. He wasn't going to do anything to harm, cause harm or anything like that to my wife. But as he was coming across, he caught my wife's toenail on her big toe and ripped it off. My wife's standing there going, it's a joy to serve the Lord. 
I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Ch after church, I, I saw a few people going back that way, and I thought I could see them through the, the, uh, the window there, and I thought I had no idea what was going on. After church, she told me what happened, and I looked at her, and I said, what? I never heard her say one bad thing because she knew that little boy didn't mean to do it. She was just serving the Lord. Sometimes things happen like that. But listen, what is the big thing about a nursery worker is that instead of that person actually preaching Christ, what she's doing is she's serving others. She's taking care of those little ones so that mom and dad can sit in church and hear the good news. That bus worker that I talked about, he was, God used him in my life, but there was another bus captain that our church had, and we affectionately just called him Brother Bill. <laughs> Brother Bill was from, uh, he was from Atlanta, Georgia, and I mean, he had a heavy Georgian accent. I mean, heavy. A lot of times you couldn't even hardly understand what he was saying. You almost needed a translator with, with Brother Bill sometimes. And Brother Bill loved serving others. And he got on his bus every Sunday, rain or shine, sleet or snow, he got on that bus to pick up boys and girls and bring them to church. Brother Bill was working on that bus, and I'll never forget, he said to me, he says, you know, he says, uh, Brother Dane, he says, I, I really, I, I'm not that good at talking to people about the Lord. He says, but I can tell you this, he says, uh, I know this, that if I can pick them up and bring them to church, They'll hear the message while they're there at church. And that was Bill's attitude. What really got me was one winter, Brother Bill slipped getting on the bus, and he broke his leg, broke his hip. And he had a cast on from his foot all the way up past his hip. That man went out on the bus route with that cast on his leg because he wanted to serve others. He realized God had given him a ministry. And look, as, as, as Christians, we need to push past sometimes our comfort zones because the message is far more important sometimes than our own personal comforts. And God, the Bible says again, God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed towards his name and that you ministered to the saints and do minister. Folks, tonight ministry is... It's not something that just takes place on the platform. Ministry is not just something behind the pulpit. Ministry is for every Christian. This matter of working for the Lord. Real churches are full of people who want to invest their lives like Brother Bill, Brother Charlie. Many of you in this church that serve the Lord, you labor for the Lord, you're investing your lives. Greg and Janeth, before church started tonight, I heard them back there and they're doing our master's club along with uh, Patrick and Lynette. And I, I, I heard them for a while, and then I walked back there, and they were nowhere around. It was about 10, 15 minutes before church started. And I saw this grown man and woman outside with chalk in their hands, and they were drawing stuff on the parking lot for those little kids. And they were standing there. They were in some deep conversation. And I opened up the door, and I said, seems to me like there's a whole lot of deep thinking going on back here. And they both looked up. They didn't know anybody was watching them. And I just got a big smile on my face, and I turned around and just walked right back into the church. Why would Greg and Janeth do what they're doing here at our church? Because they heard the truth. And because of what God's done, they've received a ministry. And they said to me, after that happened in their lives, they said, Pastor, 
We want to we do something. We want to serve the Lord. Folks, I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but to sit in a seat is not serving God. Life as a Christian, the fulfillment is when you actually roll up your sleeves and get involved. I love Vacation Bible School. I love to see our people get excited about serving the Lord and seeing those boys and girls come. And I'm thankful as a pastor of this church for all the workers in our church and for everything that is done for the Lord. Our service is motivated by the relationship that you and I have with the Lord. Paul said it this way, the love of Christ constraineth us. It's the love of God that causes us to want to serve him. And when we consider the love that Jesus showed to us, how he poured his life out for us, look, the only reasonable response is to resist the pull of our lives and to spend our lives investing in the service for him. Look at Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. He says, just stay at it. Stay busy. Get involved. He says, because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Know the song that we sing? We'll work till Jesus comes. That's a great thought right there. You see, you can't retire on the Lord. A lot of times I realize some people can't do what they used to do. But there's always something that we could do, no matter how old, no matter what our ailments are. Let's work and labor for the Lord. Real churches labor for the Lord. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the Word of God. Pray that you would help us as we go forward as a church. Lord, help us to do that which you have called us to do. God, you've, you've saved us. You've given us the ministry. You've gifted us. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless this week. Give us opportunities and privileges to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.